Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. And I want to talk to us this morning about change. I don't know a lot what you're like with change. It's disruptive, isn't it? And it, and, and it takes our carefully laid plans that we've laid through maybe for years and years and years. And change says to you, actually, I don't want you to do that no more. And if you're anything like me, uh, you know, James has preached one time about early adapters. I'm definitely not an early adapter. I, I do a bit of whinging and moaning and doing a bit of a drama. That's why I asked, asked Mel if it's okay for me, drama queen, to come to her, to her drama class. But it dismantles our daily routines and sometimes we even have to make, take, make changes. Are we good? Yep. To our values and ideals that we've held fast to. And I know there's a, when I was looking at this, I thought, yeah, but the Bible says I am the Lord, I change not. But I'm not talking about that stuff, okay? I'm talking about changes we make to our lives. We go from childhood to adolescence, and there's changes. We go from adolescence to adulthood. Some of us don't, and they're not early adapters. <laughs> just saying, just saying, not looking at anybody in particular. And then from being single to being married, how many of us struggled with that? From going from... Put your hand down. Put your hand down. Singleness to being married. It's wearing thin, isn't it? Very thin there. Or from being childless to being parents. I struggled with that. Suddenly I couldn't go out anywhere. I had kids to look after and a husband. They're not in the same sentence, by the way. <laughs> but, you know, and we have changes. Everything, when changes happen, we can feel ourselves thinking, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to change. I'm happy with the way I am. And I've seen people who have tried to take their singleness into their married life. And what does that look like? They get married and next minute they're looking at their watch thinking, oh, I'm going with the boys down the road. <laughs> going to watch the rugby I am. And wifey's saying, well, what about me? I thought we were married. It's like, um, yeah, yeah, no, but nah, I, I can't give this one up. I can't give up my rugby with the boys, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. Sorry, some of the wives thinking, you're going to get it when you get home. <laughs> and it's changes. But why do we have to change? The thing is this. Change comes because we have to accommodate growth. Amen. Whether it's growth in ourselves, whether it's growth to our circumstances, or whether it's just growth because God is saying you've been there way too long. It's time to move. It is time to move. It's like when you have those arguments and you always conduct them a certain way with your spouse, I'm talking about. And you always conduct them a certain way. And when that... When that um, when the event comes up again, you conduct it the same way. And you don't want to change. And what would change look like? Change would look like this. Okay, we're having a problem around this event. Let's talk about it. 
Let's talk about it and see what we have to hang on to and see what we can let go, see what we can compromise. That's what it looks like. But we tend to scrap, <laughs> scrap it out, scrap it out. And we go, we hide it under the carpet and then we go back again. That's not change. That's doing the same thing the same way and you're going to end up with the same result. Same, same, all over again. So that's just something I haven't got in my notes here, but that's just for anybody that wants to take that one away. And the thing is, when change happens, we hang on to those things tightly that we don't want to let go of. And we hang on to them, and we've got, you know, clenched fists around them. And when the crisis is over, are we surprised, disappointed, or are we thinking to ourselves, what the heck, when we look down at our hands and see what we're clutching? It's like a big fire happening in our house and you tear around the place, hang it, grabbing the things that are really important to you, hanging on to them and the fire's out, you look down, what have you got? Those are our life laws, that's what I call them anyway. The things that have taken us through life. And I'm going to talk today about the lives of two men, Cornelius and Peter. And these two guys were about to change history because they were about to change their mindsets and the way they did things. And because of that change in their mindset and the way they did things, yours and my life have been affected years and years down the track, some 2,000-something. What was the thing that happened? Peter brought the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. And if you didn't know it today, you're a Gentile. Sorry. <laughs> when we went to, uh, uh, we went to uh, uh, Israel one time, we went with a bus and we were in a bus full of Jewish people. And they called us the Gentiles. I was slightly upset with that. I'm thinking, I'm not a Gentile. I've been born into the family of God. I'm not a Gentile. But there you go. There you go. But this is what happened when Peter and Cornelius came together because God wanted it that way. Changed our lives, didn't it? I wonder what I would be doing today if they had disobeyed God and decided I'm, I'm not going to change anything. I know my people, they worship, but in the old days, they worship the sun and the moon and the stars and the rocks and the anything else. And I wonder whether I'd still be doing that, talking to the plants and begging forgiveness or something like that. That's something I heard yesterday. Anyway. So let's go to verse 2 of chapter, Acts chapter 10. It says this, Cornelius was a devout man who feared God with all his household, who gave to the poor and prayed fervently. He was a good man. And don't all of us know somebody who's not a Christian, decided not to, you know, put, not to accept Christ as their saviour, but they're good people. And you think to yourself, oh, if only you'd get saved. If only Jesus would come into your life. If only the Holy Spirit would be able to change you. And those, he was a good man. And in his house, there would have been other gods because he was Roman. So there were many Roman gods. And so the people around him worshipped all these gods. So he was what we, what we would call a fish swimming upstream in a downstream world. But he had decided that he was going to follow the Lord God. 
And I am always amazed when we see different re- people who come from different religions, who have been Muslim, who have been uh, Buddhist, who have come from other religions and given their hearts to the Lord. And they are such good people. And do you know, many of those people go back to the people that they once worshipped with and bring them back to Christ. And they change and affect the lives of many people more than just themselves. Amen? Good people. There may have even been some of you here. But you can imagine what his family and his friends and his colleagues must have thought. How he would have been treated by them. They would have called him that guy. That guy who converted to Christianity. But this is what change does. Sometimes it isolates us. Sometimes it changes the way people talk to us. I can remember this one time um, I was at a a food court with my brother and we were having lunch and one of my cousins walked in and he he was one of those slap your back cousins, you know. Hey, what's happening? All that sort of stuff. He'd found Christ and he'd entered into a certain church where they esteemed pastors, not even to the roof. It probably was outside up there on the clouds somewhere. And he came to me and he said to me, Cousin Pastor. I thought, what the heck's wrong with you, you know? And suddenly he says, sit here and I'll buy your lunch for you. We should honour you because you're a pastor. And it made me feel so, so uncomfortable. But, you know, it's, it, it's an example of what happens when something happens in your life that's just different to everybody else that surrounds you. And you could imagine what Cornelius had to put up with. Being in a Roman household amongst Roman soldiers, I, could not, I couldn't even imagine what it would have been like in the barracks with other soldiers. They are not soft people. Even our army, uh, the New Zealand army, they are not soft people. You know, they have stringent rules that they stick to. And they have ideals, you know, that they stick to as well. But this guy, this Cornelius, even the name Cornelius, you would have thought his name would have been Mac or something like that, you know, or Bob. No, that probably doesn't work. But, you know, Cornelius, hmm. And he, um, and he, is, he is saying, no, I'm going to stick to the Lord God, the God of the Jews, He didn't even say my God, it was the God of the Jews. But he followed protocol that uh, people who followed after the Lord God did. He prayed fervently and he gave. He gave to the poor. And the Bible says, (coughs) excuse me, that uh, God sent an angel to Cornelius and told him to send for Peter so he could hear the message that Peter carried. So then we swap over to the other guy who's in this whole equation, Peter, Peter the Jew. And verse 9 says that, verse 9 says it finds Peter up on the roof of Simon the Tanner's house praying. Actually, he was waiting for his lunch, so he thought, ah, may as well pray while I'm waiting for my lunch, (laughs) sort of thing. And suddenly, this... uh, he sees this sheet that comes down from heaven. Remember, Peter's waiting for his lunch, so he's, he's sort of hungry. He's hungry. So that probably makes it a bit easier. God's probably thinking, if I can get him when he's hungry, maybe this time he won't disobey. He's so hungry, and I say, eat these things, then he'll just dive in and eat it, you know? This is Peter. 
I mean, he's got a bit of a checkered past, this Peter guy, isn't he? Really has. And so Peter's up there and he's hungry and he's waiting for probably a woman to make his lunch. <laughs> oh, you know, and um, he's <laughs> yeah, down boy, down. Yeah. And, and so, so he's waiting for it. And this sheet appears from heaven. And verse 12 says, I saw a, sh- a sheet come down, and in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him and said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And this was the point of change for Peter. He had to change the way He was thinking, do you think? He said, yes, Lord, I will obey you. You would think so. When you're in a trance, you see this and the voice of God comes from heaven, eh? But history tells us that Peter's not that guy. And he says this. His immediate response was, not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything common or unclean. In other words, ew, I don't want that. That's what he said. I don't want that. It's common. It's unclean. I don't do common and unclean. That's Peter's. That's the voice I heard in my head anyhow. That's how I heard it. But my New Living Translation says this. No, Lord. I heard a, I heard a preacher once say, that's an oxymoron. That's another new word I learned this week. Oxymoron. And what does it mean? Opposite ideas in the same sentence. Think about it. No, Lord. If he's your Lord, would you say no? Hey, got that one. No, it doesn't work. That's right. But it makes you understand what sort of a heart he had at that moment. Nah, Lord. And he says, Peter says this by my NLT translation, I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. Other translations say, I've never eaten food that's not kosher, that's, that's prepared by Jewish law. And uh, Peter was relying on the Jewish laws, the things of the past, the things that used to work ages ago and has helped him all the way through his life to get from A to B to where he was there. And so many of us fall back on what we know. I don't know why. The reasons are varied. Sometimes because we actually think that even the ways we do something is doctrinal right? And we stick at it and stick at it and stick at it and actually God's actually saying, actually that's not the truth, that's not what I said. And we have misquoted his, his quotes and take them on board into our lives and lived with them. What does the Bible say about the way we dress? Dress modestly, yeah? Dress modestly. And so modestly has been interpreted to say what we think it should say. Modestly means, you know, buttoned up to here and right down to there. When I first met James, he thought that was a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, he's just about played the card all gone, eh? (laughs) One more chance, that's it. Over. (laughs) 
but we, it's modest there. And yet people have interpreted it. You can't wear jeans because they can see the outline of your, of your body. You can't wear tight... You've got to wear joggers and sweatshirts. Yippee! Not. <laughs> and we see things in the Bible. says things like you can't drink. You're not allowed to drink. You can't drink. You mustn't drink. The Bible says in the word... Drink, but don't get drunk. There's a big difference here. And I'm not going to tell you what I do. Don't be nosy. That's, <laughs> that's my business. <laughs> but I'm saying, look at the scriptures, yeah? <laughs> look, at this, look at the things that we live our lives by, our life laws. Are they true? Are we willing to take the scripture actually and look at it properly and say to ourselves, have I interpreted this right? Or have I heard a, a well-known preacher say, well, don't do that. I heard a preacher say one time, Jesus is not at the right hand of the Father. And I prayed and prayed and tried to change my mindset. You know what? He is. Come on. But we take scripture and we take preacher's words. I remember um, reading on Facebook yeah, about this guy, and he said, I think he's the main singer from Skillet, he said, when do we let young people, worship leaders, preachers, change the scriptures on us? And they have an opinion about that scripture. And all God wants us to do is say, come Holy Spirit, Teach me through this. Coach me through this word. Show me what this really means. It takes a bit of time. But hey, it's worth it if you're walking into eternity. Amen? Get it right the first time. And nobody will shift you if you've seen it in the Bible. Now, I have quoted things over the, over the years past that I've had to change. Upgrade. Actually. And God wants us to do this, to have a look at the things that we, we say as kosher and when really they're not. And we've made doctrines of them. And they're not right. So Peter was relying on Jewish laws, the things that had served him well in the past. And God had said to him, actually, some of the things you believe, that's not me. You've taken your Jewish laws before me. And that's a big thing, isn't it? What I believe, what I've exalted above God, what I believe, not what the Bible says, that's when I've exalted my own opinion above God. And God wants us to take note in this day and age because this is that moment in time where there's been a great falling away and we as Christians need not be able to quote politicians or pastors or people that bring a word. We need to be able to quote the word. Isn't that true? And we need to have seen that word and looked at that word and said, I know exactly what should be done about this situation. So, you know, at the very beginning when God says you can't call that unclean and that clean, I probably would have been like Peter at that moment and tried to rebuke the spirit of, you know, deceit. That's what I would have done in the very beginning. I mean, I've gotten a bit older and a bit cleverer. Who knows you get older, you get cleverer. <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd say that, Rain. Not always, not always. But this is, the, this is the thing, isn't it? 
so um, as you get a bit older, you, you figure things out, and God is good in that. So when Cornelius's men came to the door, remember the Roman centurion, Peter invites him to come in, and he would have had the conversation with God ringing still in his ears. Don't call that unclean when I haven't. Things are not common and uncommon. I have everything I've blessed, basically, is good. Amen? What God has cleansed, don't call it unclean. So that conversation was ringing in his ears. And then Cornelius' men come to the door, they knock on the door, and the thing that he says to them is, in verse uh, 28, Acts 10, it says, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of, the, uh, of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I come without objection. As soon as I was sent for, I asked them, for what reason have you sent me? So he was able to, Peter was able to climb through his own prejudices. And say there is a reason that I do that I'm doing this. God wants me to do this. I've got to climb through my own prejudices. And you know, I'm I clung very much to that scripture. I and the Lord I changed not. It became like a mantra to me. And I thought that meant the way that I did things, my practices, that I shouldn't have to change them. But God's principle in this case is the same. What I have blessed, let no man call unclean. But what he was asking Cornelius to do was step through his own prejudices and go. And um, I mean, he first he said, um, meeting a Roman first, then going into his house and preaching the death and, and resurrection of Jesus. He walked through his own prejudices. How many prejudices do we have? How many of us think things should be done a certain way? How willing are we at this point in time to step through those prejudices? I think of people who um, come from other religions, Muslims, Buddhists. And you know, once upon a time, we, was, we separated ourselves from them just in case they might rub us and then something will catch us like a disease. And I remember in my heart, I kept well away from those people just in case they, you know, they, what do you call it? Contaminated us with the disease or whatever it was that they were preaching. But that's not right, is it? We're in this world, not of this world, though. We're in this world to do things, to preach the gospel to people who need to hear. We're in this world to love people. doesn't matter what they've done. We're in this world not to bring judgment to people, but to say, we know a, I know a God who loves you. Actually, I'm an agent of that God. Come here. Yeah. We are the people that stand aside when others are throwing stones. We're the people that stand aside and say, mercy, grant that person grace. That's who we are. Amen? It's different. It's different. So he crossed through his prejudices. And so did Cornelius. Hallelujah. I'm just thinking, you know, the change for Peter. 
brought with it the stress of going against what was common, what was seen normal practice even. He and Cornelius had some, had some similarities. But I have to ask us this question today, because it's one I had to ask myself. What am I willing to give up? What am I willing to give up? If we go on down to verse 34, you know, there's a story of how Peter went and he opened his mouth and he preached the gospel. They both got through their prejudices. They both decided that they were going to carry on and be obedient to God. They both decided that whatever God had in mind, they were willing to do it. And then Peter was catching on to the fact that there was no such thing as Jews and Gentiles. We were all the same. And Cornelius knew Cornelius was that community that needed to hear the gospel of Christ. And because they both stepped through their prejudices, they hooked up. And then Peter preached the gospel. And it says in verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, he spoke to Cornelius' household. Cornelius brought the whole household together. The Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished and as many came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. This is a first timer, remember. For they heard him speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord and they asked him to stay a few days. Because they'd stepped through their prejudices, that's what happened. The gospel came to us, to you and me, to everybody in New Zealand, Australia, everybody that wasn't Jewish. Because these two men stepped out of their comfort zones, decided to change the way their prejudices were keeping them in their life laws to carry on. Our God is good, amen? And because he knew that you and I would one day seek him, seek him, and we would find him. And so God set up Cornelius and Peter for your and my sake. How, do, how much does that blow your mind? Yeah. Way, way back then, he intervened in these two lives and said, there's a Vivian and a James over there in New Zealand that I'm going to use, but they need to hear the gospel. And so that's what happened. There's a, 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 there's a Richard Brunton that needs to go out and share the, the gospel of love. He needs to share the things of God. And so I need for these two to connect. There's Marcia that needs to be um, head of um, Samaritan's Purse. And she needs to be going out, spreading the gospel of that. So I'll connect. There's a Sudaji that needs to preach. So I'm going to get these two to, to connect. These guys have done this on our behalf as well, not just their own. And it wasn't just for the Jewish nation. It was you and I and everybody else all the way down time. Our grandkids, Shane, he's done that for your, grand, your grandchild. He's done that for our grandkids. And all of those that will come in the years to come. Amen? Amen. I mean, sometimes we think... That the world only is around like this, just around us. But this goes on and on and on through the generations, through the generations, and for our lives. Our God thought about us way back then. Isn't that good? I want to ask you, what's God been speaking to you today about changing? We had a, when we read at ladies' group last night, we had a lady 
who was saying, you know, we were talking about the gift that God's placed in our lives. And she began to tell us stories of um, her neighbours around her and how she would go and help them, how she'd go and talk to them, how her and her husband would go and see how they were right. How would we know one conversation with one of those people was going to start something that would go on and on and on. If you had a conversation with somebody in a bus, somebody in your office, somebody uh, in your everyday life where you get your coffee, where you go sit for your breakfast, how do you know that one conversation isn't going to start the ball rolling for that person in the generations to come and the generations to come and the generations to come. we got people like Arwen who will stop his car on the side of the road, get out and go and talk to somebody, ask if they need healing. How do we know that man one day won't be the grandfather if not the father? of the greatest preacher that ever lived. How do we know that that's not possible? We don't know. We are obedient to the word of God. We are obedient to change. And if it's going to be this change in our life that causes us to walk out and do exactly what God has asked us to do, then God, I say, bring it on. Amen? Bring it on. But beware, there will be contention. Amen? We know there's going to be contention. But our God can do amazingly, abundantly, more than we could ever hope or dream of. That's who our God is. So I'm asking you today, who can you affect and start the ball rolling? Who can you affect? I don't know anybody, Pastor, but come on. You don't live this world by yourself. Some of us think we do, but we don't actually. There are people around. I don't know my word, Pastor Viv. You've got a testimony. How did that happen to you? That's all you have to share. Tell somebody. If I had, um, you know, if something wonderful happens to me, I'm going off telling everybody that will listen, you know. And that's what we want to be like. Amen? Amen. That's what we want to be like. I believe in the next phase of faith point, we will undertake some things that others have thought would be impossible. Do you know, even now, being able to plant a church of this size, being able to plant in Fiji, and looking at planting in Huapai, see people being raised up who are starting to preach better than me. I mean, amazing. Only God can do that, Amen. And I know that in planting the churches, I'm going to have my own challenges. Because, you know, I'm only here for a certain amount of time. And then I know that we've got to pass this on. And one of my challenges is knowing that in this congregation, there are young people who are going to do great exploits. Better than me. Better than me. That I'll be sitting in the row up the front, barely able to see, thinking, that kid can preach. Whoa, he can preach. You know, and I want to see people being raised up in this congregation, but it causes me to have to step aside. And I'm happy to be a mother, mother, mother and a father, or uh, sorry, a mother, he's the father, <laughs> a mother in the faith, and to raise them up and cause them to stand strong. That's what it will mean if we're going to plant churches. Because planting churches is a continuation of what God has started here. Amen? 
I'll be challenged to do church differently because when I come into their churches, I doubt very much that I would even recognise what it is. You know. I walk in and I think to myself, where's the stage? What have these people done with the stage? And what are those songs? What are they singing about? Is that scripturally right? I'll be that person. Yippee! <laughs> you know, but I have to, that'll be a challenge for me to walk into somebody else's church and think, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. Amen? This is awesome. I'm constantly being challenged to grow church, not for the sake of the numbers, but for the cause of Christ. Yes. That you know, what Phil said this morning, people coming in, coming out, you know, the congregation stays small. But they come in and we love them up and they worship with us, they're our family, and then they go out. But you know what? Nothing changes the size of the church. It's just on my family. My boys come in, they go out, and the only thing that changes the size of the family is if they get married or have kids. Yes, I want kids, grandkids. Bring me grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm constantly aware that my precious time, and this is what God has challenged me just in recent months, is taken up looking after pastors, their wives and their kids and making sure that these, the pastors and their wives grow their families properly. And there's something God's asked me to. My prejudice is this, well, you're not part of my church, so go and ask somebody in your own stream. That's my prejudice. And I've had to step through that and say, come on, for as long as you're with me, let's talk, let's sort this out, and you just carry on. It will have no bearing on whether my church is going to grow. But that's all good, isn't it? It's all good. It's the kingdom of God. Who cares if they're not in my church? That's one soul that's made well. And that's one soul that could affect a whole congregation of people. So to me, that's worth it. So I'm asking again, what changes are you willing to make to see God bring purpose to your life, to bring peace, to bring change into the lives of others? What are you willing to do? For some of you, you're going to be willing to just step back. For some of you, you've got to be willing to step up. For some of us, we've got to be willing to reach out across the congregation, the horizontal, to other people here. For some of you, you're going to have to reach up vertically. More. More of God in prayer. More of God in worship. More of God definitely in his word. More. For some of us, we're going to have to look at ourselves. For others of us, it's time to look outward. Amen? Let's stand to our feet.